0: Welcome into the Locked On Razorbacks podcast. I am your host, John Neighbors. I am also the host of The Morning Rush, which you can catch every weekday morning from 6 to 9 on ESPN Arkansas. Also, check out our website at hitthatline.com for all types of great interviews, podcasts, videos, articles, whatever it is dealing with the Arkansas Razorbacks. Be sure to check it out at hitthatline.com. Got some interesting conversation that we're going to hop into mainly dealing with Arkansas and the lack of success at particular position groups. In the past 10 years for the Razorback football team, also going to give you some updates on the Razorback basketball team and who they will be playing reportedly in the SEC Big 12 Challenge and of course end the podcast with some nonsense. But first I want to start with the Arkansas Razorback football team and a discussion we had this morning on the Morning Rush dealing with how in the past 10 years, I feel like that's a pretty solid sample size to look at when it comes to measuring a team's success, a, a team's philosophy, strategy, their uh, ability to recruit, just all, just all those things. Because, listen, there were a lot of teams that were good 40 years ago that aren't anymore. So you can't really use that as a measuring stick. You know, I always laugh at Michigan because, you know, Michigan claims how they've been one of these, the greatest teams of all time, one of the greatest programs of all time. But you, when you really break down their program, they haven't really been relevant in quite some time on a national scale. Same with a place like Penn State. Or even, in in some cases, e- even dealing with a team like USC, who, besides the Pete Carroll era, hasn't been relevant in 50 years. But I don't want to get into that specifically. I want to look at Arkansas and looking at position groups. Because I think it was ESPN.com, they released uh, a position group U, if you will. Um, I, I hate these lists, where it's like, are you running back you? Who's Who's got the best running back core uh, in their history? or a quarterback group, or whatever, and then they just rank it, and of course people lose their minds over it. I think it was mentioned yesterday in the podcast, too, that Arkansas ranked ninth in running back. still think it's too low, and they weren't even ranked and tied in tight end, which I think is really stupid. Uh, but, you know, everyone's got their own formula. Everyone's got their own opinion, so they are uh, subject to do that. But when you start looking at the position breakdowns and the position groups, I thought about Arkansas just in general in the past 10 years and how, if you really look at it, At almost every position, Arkansas has been really good at a particular time, or for, by and large, the most of the time. Look at tight end and running back. Those are the ones I think Arkansas has been elite at over the past 10 years. Tight end, you have guys like DJ Williams, Chris Gragg, Hunter Henry, Jeremy Sprinkle, A.J. Derby, even Shion O'Grady is pretty dadgum good, just to name a few. Those are elite tight ends that you've always been good and strong at. Running backs. You've had Niall Davis, Dennis Johnson, Alex Collins, Jonathan Williams, Raleigh Williams. Really solid running backs. Rakeem Boyd I still think is going to be in that mix this year. I think he was pretty good last year. He sees how Dev Wall does when he's battling injury. But you've had really good running backs there. Guys that have been able to be have the ability to get out and break it for 1,000 yards in a season. You've had that. So I think that those by far have been the strongest position groups for Arkansas, but even some other ones like, dare I say, quarterback. That's right, folks, quarterback. Can you Do you realize that three of the last four starting quarterbacks for Arkansas, and I'm not counting last season, take out last season, before that, three of the starting uh, four quarterbacks were drafted into the NFL. You had Ryan Mallett, Tyler Wilson, Brandon Allen and Austin Allen all four quarterbacks who were in my opinion great quarterbacks at Arkansas who had a great head on their shoulders and you could even make the argument that this was the golden era of Razorback quarterbacks just in the past 10 years now some of you will argue with me against that I understand that but I don't agree with it but I'm just telling you that Arkansas has been really good at quarterback the past few years past decade better than what most teams have Especially a lot of these teams in the SEC. But what about wide receiver? You all know about 2010, 2011. You had Joe Adams, Jarius Wright, Greg Childs, Kobe Hamilton. I thought Markwell Wade was pretty good, even though he was crazy. You got Keon Hatcher, Drew Morgan. I thought Dominique Reed was really underrated. He was a fantastic wide receiver. Again, these are just naming a few. I'm not saying these are the only ones, but they had some really good wide receivers. Even Marcus Monk, I know that was uh, towards the end of the decade, so maybe you can't really count him. But, you know, you went through a time where Marcus Monk was your best wide receiver in, like, 20 years. So to say that those wide receivers that you've had, guys that spent some time in the NFL and maybe were all SEC, were all there at the same time. Think about offensive linemen now. I mean, it's no, not good now, right? But it's been pretty good for over the past 10 years. Think about the players that have been drafted. Think about... How good some of these offensive lines have been. I mean, you start with Travis Swanson, Alvin Bailey, and the Petrino era. Then when Brett Bielma came in, that was actually one thing I think he did really good in hiring Sam Pittman to get these guys. But after that, you got uh, Denver Kirkland, Sebastian Tretola, Frank Rag- Ragnall. Even Yelda Froholt ended up being drafted. He had some pretty dadgum good offensive linemen. And in one case, one of them got drafted in the first round in Frank Ragnow. But what about the defensive line? You've been really good there, too. Think back to that time. Jake Beckett, Trey Flowers, Chris Smith, Darius Phylon, Dietrich Wise. I mean, you're talking about some really good guys that made differences on those defenses when they were around and playing at the high level. Kicker. (laughs) Zach Hawker, that's all you got. That's all you need. Even punter's been pretty good. But the two position groups that stand out to me as far as being the weakest, and it's really tough to figure out exactly why, has been linebacker and defensive back. Linebacker, maybe not as bad, because you had Martrell Speight, who was really good. You had Trey Greenwall who was just recently drafted, that was really good. You had a couple here and there that were okay, but that's about it. But think about it, folks. Think about, it, if you're a Razorback fan, looking in the past 10 years, and tell me... The best defensive back Arkansas has had in the past 10 years. Who is it? The only one I could come up with was Tevin Mitchell. That's it. That's the best I got. And in fact, that may be all I got. Secondary has been atrocious for a long time. And Arkansas used to have a great history of having really solid cornerbacks and safeties. And even under Houston Nutt. That clown was able to get defensive backs like they were going out of business. So, it's just amazing when you break it down, and how, even though Arkansas has had some high success and some low success, or lack thereof, I should say, lack of success, that position groups have at least been good at any point in time except for the secondary. Chad Morris is recruiting really well at that position. I think he's going to have some guys that are going to help right away this year. And with the uh, addition to Martavius French Martavius French from yesterday, the four-star linebacker, he's at least adding some depth to that position as well. So we'll see how that plays out. But I just wanted to bring up to you folks that Arkansas has had some really good units, some all-SEC caliber units. But in a lot of cases, they haven't been able to get it all together at the same time. And in a lot more cases, you've had incompetence in coaching that's been able to hold it back from taking that next step. Can Chad Morris find somebody to bring in to help out immediately? Sure hope so, because right now, folks, it's anybody's game when it comes to recruiting, especially on this defensive secondary. You are locked on Razorbacks for daily Arkansas Razorbacks podcast. moving on into the next segment of the Locked on Razorbacks podcast, doing a little basketball here talk because it was reported by John Rothstein of CBS Sports of uh, the particular teams that SEC teams will be playing in the Big 12 Challenge this upcoming year. And you got it, a drum roll folks, Arkansas will be playing TCU in Walton Arena. Womp womp. I mean, I get it. It, it, You're not going to play Kansas. (laughs) You know, you're not going to play Texas Tech again. Uh, they based it a lot of times off the previous six year's success in matching them up because this year Texas Tech and Kentucky are playing each other. Kansas and Tennessee are playing each other. So, you know, there's there's some some parts of that where it's like, okay, you know, I get it, I get it. But it just doesn't – TCU's not going to be making me, oh, man, i got to get that ticket. Bud Walton Arena, here we come. It doesn't do that for me. So there was that news nugget. But what it really started making me think about is why doesn't college football do this? Why doesn't college football do an SEC-ACC challenge where that year you have 1 through 14 of how the teams finished the previous season, line them up, and have them play each other? I mean, they can do it in college basketball. Why can't they do it in college football? I think it makes too much sense. And it doesn't even have to be like a team or a conference that you have to have the same amount of teams. Because it could just take the top, like for instance, when they pay the Big Twelve, which is only is it ten or eleven teams now? I can't keep up with them. I probably should know this. I think it's eleven. All I know is that they don't have divisions, and that's that's kind of the the nonsensical part of it. Well, my point is is that you could play a team a conference that may not have the same amount of teams. But just have it, okay, well, say if the team, place only has 10 teams, then have them play the top 10 teams from your conference, and then the other four teams are left out. You know, I, I could see that happening. You know, something like that. 10 teams are in the Big 12, so I had to, had to double-check on that. So, yeah, so if they, said did an SEC Big 12 challenge, have the bottom four teams from the SEC, which unfortunately would include Arkansas, they don't get to participate in it, and the uh, other teams do. So Or maybe you opt out. Maybe there's certain teams that opt out. You know, maybe I will. Maybe it's the best teams that don't have to do it, because they kind of earn that right to pick who they want to play. So, you know, I don't know. I don't know how you could play it out, but I really wish they would do this in college football because it would also be able to cause not only some extra interest and some bragging rights. Because you imagine when you have these challenges in college football, you can finally settle once and for all. It may not be the best barometer, but at least settle once and for all who's got the best conf- teams in their conference. You know, if, if SEC beat the ACC if they say they played 14 games and say the SEC went 10 and 4 boom ah SEC is better than the ACC nailed it or even in the big 12 if you played 10 games there and the SEC went 7 and 3 boom SEC is better nailed it don't worry about bowls because those don't matter regular seasons what matter and that would be the best way in my opinion to decide who has the best conference or not in college football I doubt that'll ever happen I hope it does and you know what? I brought, I have a feeling that the NCAA people that are in charge are listening right now to this podcast. So if you're in charge, make it happen, folks. That's what we want to see in college football. Conference challenges. So that way we can finally put the rest strength of schedule and shut everybody up about it. You are locked on Razorbacks, your daily Arkansas Razorbacks podcast. All right, final segment here on the Locked On Razorbacks podcast. You know, I've been—I uh, I had some fun yesterday talking about Last Chance You and my synopsis of it, and I got some uh, bad feedback. Apparently, I spooled it for some of you. Again, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to. It wasn't intentional or anything like that. But I, I did wanted to bring up because some of you were asking about what I felt about Stranger Things too. I think I alluded to it a little bit in a previous podcast, but I wanted to clear up some points about it. Uh, about Stranger Things, I'm a big Stranger Things fan, um, I, I have watched, I remember watching the first season, like, I think it was like the first week or two it came out, because everybody was talking about it, and I watched tonight and enjoyed it, and the second season I really liked, I thought the second season was the best one, honestly, out of all of them, and then the third season just came out, it's amazing that it's only been three seasons, and it came out, and I thought it was good, it wasn't great, it wasn't as good as the second season, but I thought it was really good, Still watchable, still enjoyable, and I'll watch season four. So, I enjoyed that. The one thing, though, folks, that I think it's really uh, difficult to do in any sort of television is, first off, just have a a show that's good enough to make a lot of seasons out of where it's still quality content that's original and innovative. I think that's important. But I also think it's important to have characters that are developing throughout time, and I think that's what the writers for Stranger Things have done a really good job of, not only with the kids, but with other people too, just having their cow- characters develop as they grow up. Because I'm sure the toughest thing to do is to have kids develop their character. Because you, know, you just you got to go along with growing up with them and going from where they're playing Dungeons and Dragons in the basement to where they move on and then they're having to you know start liking girls and start liking boys or go through their high school process or junior high and all that. So I'm sure it's really difficult to do. But I thought that the writers did a really good job of it. And it's funny because I was actually... Uh, when I finished season three, I wanted to go and watch, re-watch it with my girlfriend because she's never seen Stranger Things. And I hadn't seen the first season. I was like, yeah, I could rewatch it. I haven't seen it in a long time. So let's go back and rewatch it. We finished the first season, and it was funny. It was not, to me, it was not as good as I remember it. And I think a lot of that has to do with, like, it just wasn't that epic. It was more about the mystery and suspense of it all the first time you see it than it was about the actual show itself. Like again, it was good, it was fine, but it just didn't have the same awesome wow factor to it. So watching that kind of reminded me, I was like, man, a lot of this has to do with just the first time you're watching it. So we're starting to watch the second season, which was my favorite. Hopefully that doesn't disappoint me or I'm really going to be mad at myself for watching it all. But uh, again, if you haven't seen, it's a great show. I, I was a big fan of like those 80s movies like The Goonies and, and The Lost Boys and all that you know, those adventures with those kids. And I think this does a great job of bringing it all together. So, again, watch Stranger Things. I thought season three was really good. Not great. Not my favorite, but still really good, really solid. And, hey, my boy Billy. The character Billy's my favorite. Dacre Montgomery. I mean, how do you not like Billy? He's the best. Actually, he's a complete and total tool. Maybe that's why I like him because, hey, I'm a complete and total tool. But either way, give it a shot, folks. Check out Stranger Things Season 3. Appreciate everybody listening into the Locked on Razorbacks podcast. Be sure to like and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or on Google Play. You can also get after me on Twitter at Rush John Neighbors for any questions, comments, concerns that you may have, and we will keep it going from there. Same podcast time, same podcast channel tomorrow afternoon. Have a great day, everybody. We will see you then.